0: Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Again, thank you to all who helped lead us this morning in worship. Pastor Steve, Hallie, Mr. Joe, Mike, and Zara. We are truly grateful for your commitment, your consistency, each and every week here at Villa's Grace. So thank you again, a round of applause for our worship. And before we get going, I just wanna piggyback a little bit off of what Mike was saying prior to the song, Scars. That's exactly who we want to be. That's the culture that we wanna have here at Villa's Grace. We wanna have a culture of authenticity. We want to be authentic in who we are in Christ. And if that means we have to admit hypocritical behavior, we're okay with doing that because we understand because of Jesus, we are being transformed. We are being sanctified. We are being made into Christ himself because of his work and his righteousness. So as long as we can share that true, authentic message with others, people will come to a saving faith in Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, we are in our series, Colossians, Keystone Theology. The reason why we have titled the overarching theme of this sermon series throughout the whole book of Colossians as being Keystone Theology is because Jesus is the cornerstone that holds the whole structure together. Without Him, there is no salvation, there is no hope, there is no eternal future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be able to come together this morning here at Villas Grace Church. Lord, specifically, I want to pray for a unique opportunity that you are giving us here next Saturday for the memorial service of Drew Shipley. I want to continue to pray for Pastor Steve and Hallie as they have an opportunity to be a living example of the gospel to those who maybe do not know Jesus, but they see hope in them through what has happened to Drew. Use us all in the same light, Lord. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. The real question on my mind nowadays and maybe on yours as well is who can we really believe? Seriously. Who is it that you really truly can trust and believe? Who's really telling the truth? Now, I know for me, I need to take the news in. I've been in some of your homes and the news has been on, but we live in a day and age where articles are written. Based on the testimony of anonymous sources. You ever notice that? You go to read an article, and all of a sudden you start getting into the meat and potatoes of the article, and then you realize it's all based upon some anonymous source. So, who's the source? Are the men and women that you're looking at right now, the men and women of mainstream journalism, a source unto themselves? Church, these media outlets are spinning a narrative. And if you notice this image, it doesn't just go left or right or down the center. I believe each... Network represented on the screen currently is spinning a narrative, a narrative according to this fallen, satanic human system. And they say you can't talk about politics in church. I believe you can. As long as your purpose and point is to get to the gospel. See, this same system that says Jesus isn't God. The same system trying to control us with fear and anxiety. So, who do we really believe? Who can we really truly trust? Who's really telling us the truth? Well, speaking of truth, there's only one truth that matters anyway, and that brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. The title for today's sermon is this, the truth about forgiveness, the truth about forgiveness forgiveness. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, so if you have your Bible this morning with you, go ahead and open that bad boy up. If you do not have your Bible, no worries. All the verses will be on the screen. We're going to be dealing with verses 6 through 15 this morning. And we can't forget that last week we were encouraged to know that a Christian should strive to focus on the love and unity that's only found in Jesus. We learn to keep an eye out for the deceptive maneuvers of our enemies, because we do have enemies. As Christians, we are under attack. We also realize That all the secrets of this whole entire universe, all the mysteries surrounding eternity, have been and always will be found in Jesus Christ. So today, I want to challenge each and every one of us to see Jesus as God Himself. Let's be encouraged in His death. Let's be encouraged in his burial and let's be encouraged in his resurrection. Let's leave here knowing that our faith in his work is a faith in the defeat of Satan, it's a faith in the forgiveness of our sins. So, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, we want to put them into this one simple sentence. Each one of these verses is defined by this sentence The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus brought doom to Satan and forgiveness to our sins. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus brought doom to Satan and forgiveness to our sins. Some of you maybe have heard of Max Licato. Some of you haven't. He is credited with being the main editor of the, I forget the name off the top of my head, just had it, now I forgot. Man, I'm coming into middle age. The Message. It's the Message Bible. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you have heard of the Message Bible? He has this little article that he wrote. I don't know if we call it an article, but it's an illustration that he used. It's titled, From Heaven to Earth. And I just want to read his illustration here, because I I can't think of a better illustration myself. And this is according to Max Licato. He says this, I am watching a family of black-tailed squirrels as I should be working on a Christmas message but can't focus. Sounds like me when I try to write a sermon. They seem set on entertaining me. They scamper amid the roots of the tree north of my office. We've been neighbors for three years now. They watch me peck at the keyboard. I watch them store their nuts and climb the trunk. We're mutually amused. I could watch them all day. Sometimes I do. That does sound like me when I'm working on a message. But I've also never considered becoming one of them. The squirrel world holds no appeal to me. Who wants to sleep next to a hairy rodent with beady eyes? Hope. Everybody's been asking that for like 16 years now. (laughs) Max Licato goes on to say this. Give up the Rocky Mountains. Bass fishing. Give up weddings and laughter for a hole in the ground and a diet of dirty nuts. Count me out. But count Jesus in. What a world he left. Our classiest mansion would be a tree trunk to him. Earth's finest cuisine would be walnuts on heaven's table. And the idea of becoming a squirrel with claws and tiny teeth and a furry tail? It's nothing compared to God's becoming an embryo and entering the womb of Mary. Church. This is how far God is willing to go in order to forgive to that length. And we know this is true from our first set of verses this morning, verses 6 through 10. Paul starts off right out the gate. He says, as you received Christ, so walk in him. See, it's not good enough to just receive Christ, to say, I have a saving faith in who Jesus is. We must also walk in Christ, just like Christ walked as Christ himself while he was on this earth. We should move daily toward Jesus. But if we've only just received Christ, then we'll stall out or we have stalled out we're stagnant each day of our lives we should begin by putting Jesus in his rightful place each day and that rightful place is on his throne but let's face it we're pretty good at putting ourselves on our own throne of our own lives now aren't we and we must remember something life is a journey it's not a race and this is exactly why paul says walk in him and he doesn't say sprint in him part of walking in him is to be rooted and built up as he writes here established in the faith see our faith is how we should walk We should walk strong according to our faith in Christ. Our faith is in the truth that's revealed through Jesus, church. Your faith, however, unfortunately for all of us, is under attack. It's under attack even when we don't even realize it's under attack. Sure, I know that there is a lot of us here that would say, hey, I would never deny Jesus. No way. I'm not going to deny who he is. In fact, I would say we would never want to support someone else who denies who Jesus is. But really, we need to think about that for a second and realize that we may not be so sure And this is why Paul says in verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. That pertains to who you watch on TV. That pertains to who you listen to on the radio. That pertains to whose spiritual book you may be reading. Church, don't forget who Jesus is. Don't forget the world he left. Don't forget that earth's finest cuisine would be walnuts on heaven's dinner table to him. Don't forget that the classiest mansion here on earth is like a tree trunk to Jesus. And especially do not forget that if we became squirrels with claws, tiny teeth, and a furry tail... It would be nothing compared to what Max Locato said, God himself becoming an embryo and entering the womb of Mary. Fortunately for us, we can't forget, can we? We're very fortunate in this. After all, Paul gave us a reminder of who Jesus is in verse 9. He says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. See, our faith is really under attack, but it's under attack not just on one front, it's under attack on two fronts. We're under attack with the person of Jesus who The world, that narrative that they spin, who they think the person of Jesus is. The denial of Him being God. That's one front. The second front that we're under attack with is our identity in Him. In our lives, He is on His throne. Verse 10 is the subject of said attacks. Look at verse 10. It says... And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Church, the one who takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, as Paul is saying here, is attacking you with lies. They'll tell you that more is needed, they'll propose a new revelation of truth or a new ecstatic experience. Now, now, what I mean by that is this. As the rodent was sleeping next to Hope last night, she went on a rabbit trail on the Internet until about 1 a.m., and then woke up this morning heavily concerned. And I'll give you an example of an ecstatic experience. See, we, we have a, a friend of the family, specifically a friend of our daughter Reese, where her parents are divorced, one set of parents are atheists, the other set, the mom, who's still a single mother, she would say she's a believer, but she's all caught up in a cult, a legitimate cult. And Hope found this out last night. And one of the videos that Hope showed me from this cultish experience that she just went to were people walking around in chaos, laughing hysterically, barking like dogs. Banging on instruments, not even in rhythm. They will tell you, you need this special experience, and it's going to be led by a leader who says, I am a prophet from God, and he speaks to me directly, and he gives me special revelations to share with you. You need me in order to go to God. That is part of that type of behavior. There are churches like that. There are also churches that promote legalistic behavior. And legalistic behavior really just means that, hey, you know, I have more points with God because I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do this. Therefore, God is happier with me. Let the truth be told. We all need Jesus. If you come here and think you need me in order to get to Jesus, either I'm doing something wrong or you have the wrong gospel mindset. All we have to do is walk toward him daily. And we don't need anything else other than his word and his Holy Spirit in our heart. To translate truth to us. Because let's face it, there's a lot of things in here that rub me the wrong way because of my sinfulness. But regardless of it rubbing me the wrong way, it's still truth. So this brings us to our first point this morning. Our faith declares that Jesus is God. Therefore, we must walk toward Him daily because our identity is found in Him, not us. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor outside of Jesus. If we could, our identity would be our own. But since it's all contingent upon the work of Christ, our identity is found in Him. Let's not forget our main point this morning, which states the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus brought doom to Satan and forgiveness to our sins. So as you look at this image, know this, this is us with our heads down. And the one behind is Satan. He's the one with the loaded pistol to the back of our heads as we look down. So the question I would ask right now would be this. If this is us with our heads down, facing away, and we know that the hand on the loaded pistol to the back of our head is Satan, what does this image look like when Jesus is involved? Let's find out in verses 11 through 15. In verse 11 through the first part of verse 13, Paul uses the metaphors circumcision and baptism. What these metaphors reveal is a full salvation, our full and complete salvation. See, we're fully and completely saved by the work of Jesus not by our human effort. What the metaphor of circumcision reveals is the cleansing of our sinful heart. See, this is the inner truth, that our heart has been cleansed, it has been renewed. And what the metaphor of baptism reveals is the outward sign of that inward truth. So the physical act of baptism itself does not save you. You don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. But rather, we're saved by the powerful working of God, as it says here in these verses, to transform our hearts. That's where the true salvation takes place. Church, this right here, what we're seeing is the complete, entire truth about forgiveness. The truth is that God made us alive together with him, as Paul writes. We cannot make ourselves alive together with Him. That's an impossibility. Remember, and do not forget that our faith is under attack. And Satan's greatest weapon is guilt and shame. So don't let him guilt and shame you about your past. Don't let him guilt and shame you into thinking that you have to make it up to God on your own that somehow God will be pleased with you, that somehow God will only forgive you if only you just do enough. If you just do enough for God, all those things in your past that you feel guilty about, that you have a lot of shame about, if you just do enough, then God will forgive you. Well, if we only do enough, then we only need enough of Jesus. And I don't know about you. I don't need just enough of Jesus. I need all of Jesus. Especially since at the end of verse 13 it says, "He has forgiven us all our trespasses." Every wrong we've ever done, even wrongs that we don't even even remember committing. We have been forgiven. And for the guilt and shame, those tactics from Satan, the Lord has been, as it says, and I love this. Look at this. It says, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Think about that. He is actively, that's what Paul's saying. Jesus is actively, that means he's still doing it. He's actively canceling our sinfulness. That's pretty powerful. We all owe God an unpayable debt. We all do. We all owe Him a debt that we could never pay on our own. Do you know what the punishment is for not paying this debt? It isn't bad credit. You don't pay your credit card bill. You don't pay some of the bills that come in the mail. Yeah, you're going to get bad credit. But, Even those with bad credit still get to live, don't they? See, the penalty for this debt is death. Church, this is why we must rejoice in the work of Jesus. See, record of debt as it's written here, refers to actually a handwritten certificate. A handwritten certificate of what we owe. A handwritten certificate of what we cannot afford to pay, unfortunately. But what did God do with this handwritten certificate? What is it that Paul tells us He does with this handwritten certificate? The answer is at the end of verse 14. It says, this He set aside nailing it to the cross. Our list, individually, our list of all our criminal activity against God was nailed to the cross next to Jesus. Jesus paid the debt we owed. The debt that we could never pay on our own. So as Mike comes up and we begin to close out this morning please be encouraged in in what you're hearing there's no shame or guilt when your sins are nailed to the cross it's up to you however to want to do that it's up to you to say i want my sins nailed to the cross it's up to you to say I want Jesus to be actively cleansing me of my sins. And then we go back to what we said at the outset and said, we want to have a culture of authenticity. I may need to ask for forgiveness of my sins against you. You may need to ask for forgiveness of your sins against me. But the beauty is when we actually live that out as a family, as a church family, we uplift and highlight the name of Jesus because at the end. We're only able to do that because of what He has done. There's no shame or guilt when you nail your sins to the cross. And Remember back to the image that we showed at the beginning of this last section here? You know the one where the gun was to the back of the head, our head, this image? The shame and the guilt of Satan's gun. If you have faith in Jesus and his work, the shame and the guilt of Satan's gun is no longer pointed at the back of your head. And we know that this is true from verse 15 where it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The doom of Satan is imminent. After all, how could he fight without a weapon? So really, when we look back at our lives and we think that Satan's had that gun of guilt and shame to the back of our heads, and and we think, oh my goodness, we're, we're done in for. Well, after we come to know Jesus, and realize that it was his work, that he died for our sins, he's restored us back to a relationship with God, we realize that that wasn't a gun after all. All Satan had the whole time were two fingers and a thumb to the back of our heads. All our adversary really wants is for his shame and guilt to become our shame and guilt. All he wants is to convince you that you need Jesus plus this, or you need Jesus plus that. But church, Jesus plus anything extra equals death. But Jesus unto himself and Jesus alone equals life. So if you do not know the Jesus that we have discussed this morning, the one who was buried and raised from the dead but crucified on a cross first and foremost. If you don't know that Jesus, the one who said, put your sin on my cross, I will carry that on my back. I will take your burden for you if you do not know him. And if you're sitting here this morning and saying, I want to come to a knowledge of who he is. I want to come to a knowledge of His forgiveness. I want to learn more about the truth about forgiveness. Let us bow our heads now so that I can pray for you in silence. truth about forgiveness has been and always will remain the same. Jesus is the creator who left heaven to die a sinner's death on the cross. He was raised from the dead, thus defeating Satan's attack against God's plan for redemption. So in our prayer. We either pray for those who are with us now who don't know the Lord that need to come to a saving faith so they can have a secure, eternal future with the creator, sustainer of this universe. And our prayer should be as a church family to be used by the Lord to draw others to Him. We don't do this individually. We do this together. Lord, use us This is our prayer. And if you don't know the Lord and you are here this morning and you want to come to know him better, you want to admit that you're a sinner and repent, leave your sin behind and have your sins nailed upon the cross so Jesus can continue to cancel your debt. Do not hesitate to grab myself, Pastor Jared, Pastor Steve, or Mike Young, one of our elders here at Villas Grace Church. And all of this brings us to our second and final point this morning. And that point is this. The power of God has transformed our hearts and forgiven our sins while simultaneously disarming our enemy. The power of God has transformed our hearts and forgiven our sins while simultaneously disarming our enemy. Let's not forget our first point that stated, our faith declares that Jesus is God. Therefore, we walk toward Him daily because our identity is found in Him. And again, our main point this morning, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus brought doom to Satan and forgiveness to our sins. Church, there are those that we know who do not know satan has been disarmed he is without a weapon be encouraged in the truth that though you may feel disqualified the lord can use you the lord wants to use you to share the truth about jesus with others let's pray lord Use us. Teach us to position ourselves in such a way that we can be encouraged by one another, that we can learn from one another. It is your power that has brought us alive, as Paul says, together with you. I ask that we continue to learn how to rely upon your power and less on our own. Teach us, Lord how to put you on your throne daily in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.